Hello guys. Oh, hello pussycat. Meow. You gonna say hello? Say hello. Alright, don't fucking say hello. Oh, there you go. Hey guys, how are you? I hope you're having a good day. I'm full of cold, so excuse my nasal version of my voice. Uh, today I sit down with... Uh, Joel Weston, so he's an actor and a super, super nice guy, so I met Joel a number of years ago, we both had the pleasure of playing for Red Kite every year on the MCG before one of the Swans games and uh, sort of built a friendship over the years, so it was really nice to sit down with him and the boy can talk, the boy can't talk, I thought I was a chatty motherfucker but yeah, he uh, he out-chatted me, so um, it's a long one but it's an interesting one, he's very insightful, despite being a little pup himself, he's only, I think he's uh, 26 or something, but he's got the head of an owl, a wise old owl, Um, so it was a lot of fun, We, we talk about all manner of things, we talk about acting and energy, and then we talk about Australian history, and then films, and even Trough Boy gets a mention, uh, for those of you who are familiar with Trough Boy. Um, and then we talk about Australian films, and that's kind of how we end. Significant films, Australian actors. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Joel. Um, and it's a bit of a, a, a blustered start, so we, we, uh, I start recording because we start chatting. and Obviously, as I say, he's pretty chatty himself, so... Uh, we kind of hit the gate running, and uh, so I just hit record, and so it's a bit of a weird start, but it is what it is, and uh, strap yourselves in, it's a long one, get yourself a bean bag, a glass of wine, and uh, enjoy. It's the way you play, it was like, it's not, it's about this guy, it's about those goals. Yeah. That's all that Well, and it, it's funny, like, there's, it's an inanimate object, right? Right. Whether it's a microphone or a camera. But it's enough to, well, it's enough to derail me. Like if yeah. I, I could be having a, a chat with someone and then someone sticks a camera in your face, like oh fuck, it just evokes like all these emotions, like anxiety. And yeah. It's like what? Why is that happening? Like this, this is an inanimate object. Yeah. Like it shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't no. make sense. And and it's even when, like we did some stuff for the Byron Bay Film Festival, when we were out there for for the for the. Um, jungle and it was it was like I was walking around trying to get people enthused about the film festival I'm walking around with pamphlets and a t-shirt on and you know I just kind of also Fucking wanted sandwich board sandwich board <laughs> try the bread it's delicious um, and mix it as well with a peanut um, and we're doing all that like just having a having a good time and getting to meet people and the amount of people as soon as there was a, a publicity lady following me around with like a little camera or an iPhone mm. and as soon as she lifted it up and pressed the button and everyone heard like dunk yeah. Everything changed. <gasps> yeah. And people would be really confrontational and yeah. even though the demeanor Are you, are you was, recording this? You yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and another, like a couple of people would be like, no, don't film me mm. and really standoffish. And I'd, yeah, I'd kind of make a point then. Even in Byron. Even in Byron. And I made a point then of like staying longer with those people to chat. Not to, yeah, to like just first. Just fuck to, with their head. Just a little bit. <laughs> I was going to be nice and be like, to say like, you know, I apologise, but it really was, it was to be like, yeah. well, if I can't film you, then what's the difference between you and I having this I'm conversation right now? hijack your day. Yeah. I'm going to ruin your day. 
<laughs> that brie is actually laced. Yeah. Like it's going to kick in in about fifteen minutes. But it intrigues me because you know when people see when people see someone on a film or in TV or on a magazine or stuff like that, they then feel it. You're like closer to that person, like they know that person. So then, when you see them in public, you've got, like, you you've got, um, you're allowed to, or like, a license to go up and say hello and have a piece of that person's day. Mm. But when it's shifted, it's complete different story. Mm. Uh, you're not asking an expectation from someone, but you're just putting them on the mechanism that all of a sudden makes their image shareable. And viewable and puts them in that position. So it's really interesting to be like. I think it's kind of a knee jerk for a lot of people. They're like, oh, why are you filming this? What's it about? Where's it going to go? Yeah. But if perhaps if they stopped and thought for a moment that it's actually non threatening, you're yeah. just there promoting a, a film festival, it might go on Facebook. In their town. Like it might yeah. be. Like yeah. What, what, what actually have you got to hide? Unless you're in Byron. On a dirty weekend with your mistress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happens to It me. happens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't choose Byron anymore because... Yeah, now everyone knows. Yeah. You got caught out in the last film festival somewhere yeah. came around. I go further afield. Where do you go? Do you go um, inland? Like you Walker. go to Kakadu? Walker. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Different place every time. It's hard. It's, um... But, and that's another thing too like what's the what's the public private kind of thing internet like it's hard to I know I was chatting to a mate of mine just then um, who finished some stuff on Poldark the English television series which mm. we don't maybe see that much of it's on telly a bit I don't know if it's on Netflix um, but over there it's huge it's huge so he comes back here and it's just like you know Another cute face and walk around kind of thing, mm. but then over there, and someone that he's, he's dating is is huge, so there's like overweight, just massive. <laughs> <laughs> just, no, 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 very very slim, tall, um, uh, incredible actress. But it's like he went to a who's saying he went to a food market with her, and there's a photo of him and her from behind, and it's just him with his hand on her back, and that hit the front page of four newspapers yeah right like the equivalent of Sunday telly or telegraph here and stuff like that well, she's pretty big then she's pretty big she's she shouldn't have been at the noodle market let's just yeah, say right. that she could have put no 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 I'm kidding. but but it's he was freaking about that public private stuff and being like he doesn't really use social media or anything like mm. that because he doesn't believe in it as actor or whatever mm. which is fair enough but his job is is public that's kind of well I mean it's not my world obviously but your job is to act like that's your skill that's your craft the fact that it comes with fame mm. and familiarity and attention public attention that's just a byproduct of your craft of your skill yeah so it doesn't mean you're you have to like it you're suited to it do you know what I mean like, yeah and you can see that with you know, particularly, yeah, anyone in the public eye. Let's let's pick a A-lister, for example. That they're, they're they either embrace it and they hang around to sign people's autograph and take selfies with people, yeah. or they become the opposite of that, which is kind of reclusive and 
refuse to do interviews, refuse to do red carpet shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's probably the gamut in between as well. And there's people that turn it on when they want to and turn it off when they need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, there'd be heaps of that. Tons. And it's... And it's, it's it'll be like a performance for them. Yeah, definitely. You know, when they're in the public eye or, you know, someone stops them in the street, they would snap into a performance. Cause yeah. They'd be, particularly for A-listers, I'd imagine, you'd get asked the same questions. You were great in Top Gun... Like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Say the line for me. Show me the money. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking show me the money. Yeah, here you know? we go. I'll jump. I'll jump up on the couch. I'm in love with her. But it's and it's like you know. And then there's stuff where you're able to be out in public and it's a no phones. I remember the story of Bill Murray throwing someone's phone off the balcony at the Soho House. Yeah. In in Hollywood, because there's no phones, like you can't take photos in the Soho house but you go there and there's everyone's there everyone's mm. having lunch and mm. and it's that kind of place where they want to be seen but not seen mm. kind of thing and someone took a photo of Bill Murray and he threw the phone off the I love Bill Murray he's, he's a dude doesn't yeah. have an agent yeah has a 1-800 phone number yeah um, you don't know he's doing something until he's actually on set that day yeah do we? there's all these horror stories of him you know Sophia Coppola who did Lost in Translation were over in Japan or wherever they filmed that um, and they didn't know if he was going to you know rock up or not yeah, and then right. all of a sudden you know two days out from shooting he gets off the plane and he's like oh I'm in town where is everyone at yeah where, where do you need me <laughs> yeah yeah what do you yeah, need he's what a bit of a genius I reckon but he, yeah he's gone but he's managed to in his own unique way kind of navigate that sort of the fame side of things totally you know? and I want and I also wonder how, like if we knew Bill Murray how much of oh, he's here. Oh, he's in. Yeah, I thought that was him when I walked in. <laughs> he's Come in on sleep. in, Bill. Get out of the sleeping bag, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's like I wonder when you when you meet those people, how much of of that would be the performance? Mm. You know what I mean? Like how 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 much of it's and it's interesting when you think about how social media has transformed all facets of kind of work you know with um, trainers or gyms or um, football players or anything that's remotely getting getting a bit of a like who you are on that platform Mm. comparison to who you are in person and and then Mm. what you are as a business and who you are at home and Mm. all those kinds of things everyone plays I don't know it seems like there's tons and tons of roles for people to play in their daily lives now that like that stuff blows my mind just to think about it I don't know where I was going with that but <laughs> the more I, the more I, I, I was going to hang out with Bill <laughs> leave, leave you on your just own just leave me here and start talking about pot plant <laughs> but are you really a pot plant like it does it, it kind of because I got I got made to use social media and, and do all types of things and do characters or you know certain things on it. But then, you know, I've got a mate who does um, Lucy Stozzy bloke. Have you what seen that the comedian Lucy Stozzy bloke? And he does all these great skits where he picks up like a chapstick off the floor and goes like, I "Don't even know his chapstick this is," and starts using oh, it. Oh god! And then what legit? No, no, like it's all it's, it's all set, set up, up yeah. kind of thing. But it's made to feel like Sorry, like Trent from Punchy was set up. <laughs> It's acting. It's not, it's not real. What? He really picks up a dirty old... Bill, come and explain this to Scott. <laughs> Get the pot pie. <laughs> but um, same as... 
same you know Trent from Punchy no remember or um oh come on Scott you gotta <laughs> give me help a help me out he's throw me a bone um, I don't know anyone okay, you're talking so about okay so what about I don't watch TV. How about um, oh, Beach Desbrough? Yep. Okay. So, I met him. Right. I know him. Okay, so that's Nick, right? Could be. I yeah. Think, is he a videographer? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So he, him and his crew did Trent from Punchy and then did, that was their first video and everyone thought that was a real dude because there was no context. There was no, no it was just on the internet. Right. And it, it was just, a, it was a guy who was made to look like a bit of a... Like, he was from Punchbowl. And he's like, yeah, Trent from Punchbowl. I'm going to do Max Dolly down at Lincoln Station. Yeah. And he was on the balcony, and this yeah, guy was yeah, feeding yeah, him yeah, questions. Yeah, 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 I've seen and it. He, and it said, it. the only thing that it said at the start was, this is a guy we picked up at, Trent, at Punchbowl Station. And a guy's feeding him questions, and it's all been cut together. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've but seen it. Those guys are actors, right? Yeah. And so... But like, for months after or years after whenever you meet these guys I don't think they didn't say to me that they openly made it because when I saw him at a party one time I was like oh my god Trent from Punch is at this party yeah. and he's had a haircut and he looks really good and he's fit and like he's got his life back together again like, so he's got an agent yeah good yeah, on you Trent buddy. yeah great to see you turning around there Trent and um, many many and, and they've done they did Bondo Hipsters right it's, all, it's those guys right and well but, hang on hang on so the guy that I met that claimed to have done <laughs> Beach Dares, the whale thing, yeah, the cartoon, yeah, he is he a producer on the Bondi Hipsters? Because he wasn't one of the Bondi Hipsters. I might, I, be, I, I, I might be wrong about the Beach Dares. Then maybe I might be wrong. That might have been something that I, through my love of the Bondi Hipsters and this guy, right. <laughs> just was like, yeah, he did that, and, <laughs> and he, then he did this, and he did this. <laughs> And he did that documentary on Lance the guy, Armstrong. The guy, <laughs> the guy who I met who did Beach Dad just played it down so much. Like he was so humble about it because I, I fucking loved it. I've, been, I think I've introduced gold. it to my son. I, you know, I watch. You know, I think it's funny think every it's, time I see it. That stuff is so funny. And, but he was just like, ah, uh, you know, yeah, almost didn't want to talk about it. I'm yeah, like, right. Oh, mate, you're a fucking comedy genius. Oh. Right, as, as are the the Bondi hipsters. They're so it's that stuff. Funny. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. And they're doing their first feature and stuff like that. Have you seen all the Netflix? The all the Netflix? yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. Because <laughs> what was that? What, what that soulmates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that with the cavemen. <laughs> One of them eats the goat and does a does a shit and says that's God. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like shit's telling him what to do. And um, but I like a you know and. Because the great thing is now they're doing heaps of character work. So there's a line between who they are as people and as actors or whatever. Mm. But earlier on it was like they were always in that role. In that role. People on the street were like, you're the Bondo hipsters. Yeah. Just like my mate, whenever we go out in Adelaide, he's a really good comedian. Does shot Edinburgh Fringe and, you know, opens for, um, what's his name? Um, Aussie comedian Jim Jeffries. Oh yeah, used to open for Jim Jeffries and yeah, you know, right. do movies with him and write stuff for Jim and work on carpets in America and just be super ocker at MTV red carpets and stuff to all these people. Mm. Like, yeah, but he was always that guy, and it's really hard for him to go to a pub or go out anywhere and be himself because everyone wants him to be yeah that loose guy. Yeah, I don't know. 
And I wonder if he feels like this need to kind of step into character, step into role when someone says, hey, buddy, like... Yeah. You, know. you can see the pressure kind of like sitting there. I mean, I've been lucky enough to do stuff where no one recognises me. Mm. So it's... No one knows who you are. Which means you don't get free coffee. <laughs> or like any perks. Um, have some more water if you want. Thanks, that's really tasty. Filtered? Uh, <laughs> hell no. Let's that shit the bottom. Um, <laughs> you must get recognised. No. I, mean, I, I recognised you when you knocked on my door. But I did have a headshot. I was holding my headshot. <laughs> so if you don't know... Yeah. A lanyard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are... Fast bender. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you've done enough stuff. Like it must be sort of filtering down, no? No, no. Because, like Charles, Charles being the Foxtel show was a really niche audience. Um, Peter Allen after that was again like a niche audience. We still hit big numbers, but we're physically very different, and we're very different voice-wise and demeanour and stuff like that. Like I don't go around. I wish I could. I probably should. It's comfortable, like walking around in Hawaiian shirts all day long, yeah. and long white kind of lilac yeah. pants. Well, maybe it's a case of like they see you and see you as a familiar face, but probably think that they've seen you around the suburb or yeah. met you at a wedding or a dinner party or something. I get a lot of like, mm, yeah, especially on planes. Yeah, like, oh, did that guy steal my car? Has <laughs> 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 he got anything strapped to his body? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's mostly police. I get the attention. Yeah. Um, Sniffer dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... Mate, uh, do you want any of this? What are they? Uh, I've got some mushrooms. So I've got some uh, nootropics. I've got some cordyceps. Some lion's mane. I've got some... Maybe we should do a shot of this. What's the milk thistle? So it's like fermented milk thistle. thistle. I can't even say Milk thistle. <laughs> milk kissle. <laughs> what is it? Fucking disgusting. Do you shot it? Uh, I... Well, it says sip there's it. three serves. All right, so we'll have a little sip, Sam. Well, I'm going to shot it. The whole thing? Yeah, cheers. Cheers. That was a good sound. Oh! <laughs> oh! Lex, <laughs> 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 what's in there? Milk thistle. <laughs> Straight up. Spritzer smoothie salad. I don't know who put that on a salad dressing. I don't know who would put it in a spritzer. To me, a spritzer's white wine and yeah. soda, isn't it? Yeah, like a really tasty thing you give to someone that, you know. Yeah, your new special your lady. With. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Babe, do you want a spritzer? <laughs> <laughs> we are breaking up, right? Yeah, this is for leaving the toilet seat up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's got a bite to it. It's nice, though. That's a no, good taste. It's not. No, I like that. I mean, I, I didn't make it, so you don't have to be complimentary. I'm not being complimentary. I actually okay. enjoy it. I like... That's like um, apple cider vinegar. Yeah. My nephew, who's eight years old, every morning... I mean, I don't know if that says something about the way that we consume alcohol around him, but... Just <laughs> cracks a stubby. Every morning he's like, I want to do a shot of apple cider. Does he? I'm like, mm, mm, mm. Mm. Uncle with Joel did enjoy with himself a, with, 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 with your dad last night. Wedge of lemon and some salt. Um... Yeah, I don't mind that. Oh, mate, I've got a fridge full. I have been looking forward to kind of actually investing a bit more time into um, nutrition and stuff like that. And hey, yeah, well, there you go. You've just done it in one shot. Because I started putting coconut oil into my coffee. Yeah, right. There's a bit of a... And onto your skin? 
Yeah, I'm almost because I have. You're looking a little bit younger, fresher. Thank you. Vital vitality. Vitality. <laughs> I blame the salt water and the shave. Where are you living now? I'm um, because you're travelling a lot. Hey? I'm yeah. I'm based out of Coogee at the moment. Based out of Coogee. Yeah, but I'll be moving to Los Angeles mid-November. Well, there you go. Which would be great because it's been a bit of a transient time. Like I think I've only spent three weeks of this year kind of in a you know out of a out of a room that I could call my own yeah right the rest is how do you find that that's quite unsettling right it's pretty demanding and I mean you do have to just find your tribe and whoever you I got a lot of mates asking me like don't you get like lonely or don't you get the answer is yes but but it's also like (laughs) do you want to put your number on (laughs) (laughs) it's on the back of my helmet like (laughs) riding around on the motorbike um, but it's also a great reminder of you don't necessarily need to be around like a certain group of people to be yourself or to let your hair down. It's mm. if you're in the car on the way to an event or the way to set or something like that, and it's an hour drive. That person that you're with is your opportunity to connect to somebody new, learn something new. It's almost like it's almost easier to be yourself, I think. Yeah, because the friends that you grew up with or the family members you obviously grew up with yeah. like you already have like this entrenched behavior and there's like a familiar entrenched exchange that you always have yeah do you know what i mean definitely good or bad yeah but you are a certain way with a certain person and a certain role and it might not differ all that much to how you are with someone else or yeah. someone else but it, there's yeah you, you adopt a role yeah and i can see that in past relationships that i have like yeah you know, it hasn't worked for a number of reasons because, and then you you revisit it. Like yeah. You might say, "Oh, let's try and get back together," but because you you're both playing this role, and it and it will never work. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to kind of change it or adapt. Yeah. It and give concessions of like, I'll be thirty percent today, you be seventy percent, or yeah. I, I'm. Have you have you had any moments where you've had to kind of say goodbye to friendship simply because of the fact that not outgrown them in any way but you've just changed as a person fucking every day (laughs) (laughs) it's just me and Bill (laughs) I don't think Bill's Um, I think there's like a a natural sort of attrition and discarding not discarding that sounds like brutal and savage but it happens yeah like there's it's evolution people come into your life like I've got friends like the guy who I live with here I've known for all my life since you know we went to primary school together right we're like brothers right right so there's people like him in my life and my ex-wife and very other various other people yeah but then people come and go like you meet new people and you think fuck where have you been all my life yeah we're gonna be best buddies until the day we die and yeah. then six months later you're like oh whatever happened to him <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean totally. and I, I grew up in the UK until I was like 23 right really fucking solid bunch of boys right but I've been here for like nearly the same amount of time so I just literally don't speak to them yeah right like I'm sure if I went back to the UK or as You'd I did like 10 years stuff. ago or whatever we all go to the local pub and catch up and it's like we I never left yeah um but 
if I was to go back 20 years and have that thought about them not being in my life yeah. day to day I'd be like oh, no send, send, me, send me into a spin but yeah 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 I think it's just I reckon it'd be the same for everyone you just have these people that are in your life I mean what's that saying for a, a season a reason <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'll Google it. <laughs> Season of Reason. Have you heard of that? No, it's like never. Pe- people come to your life for a... I've heard of Fair Weather Friends. I don't know if that... No, that's connect. nothing to do nothing. with it. All right, thanks, Scott. People come <laughs> into your life. I think it goes along the lines of, I might butcher it, either a one-night stand, a season, or a reason. All right. <laughs> I don't mind that. It's true. Like No, that's not how it goes. But Okay, there's something in it, you know? Yeah. There's definitely... I mean... Has this just happened to you if you just... Well, no, I'm Have you just I'm, cut it's, someone it's, loose. No, it's like, well, I, I've recently come out of a relationship that was a long-term, long-term thing. We moved in together, and um, you know, huge family commitment on either side. For you know, we're really close. To, her family was based here, and my family's still in the desert in Western Australia. So it's like, but the weekends will be spent, you know, doing familiar things with her family, with it, you know, which was beautiful. Cause, mm. But when you're away for so long and you're kind of not developing with that like like I was saying before you're having these moments to develop as a human being just going through to everyday life as everyone develops through everyday life whether or not you have an incident at the coffee shop or something happens at work or you meet someone on the street or someone steals your shopping bag at Woolies or you know mm. the last lint bar on the thing and you have a brawl I mean no one has, I, mean, I would brawl for a lint bar that's, stuff, that's good <laughs> but um, you know so you're developing by yourself in like a little pocket right yeah because you're just kind of transient wherever you're going yeah and you could choose to be a bit of an alien and be whatever you want to be in that circumstance yeah like if you're around crazies be crazy if you're around really subtle quiet intelligence yeah you fall into that niche yeah but it's so much more fulfilling to go around being you right and, and developing yourself around those different people as an opportunity to go well, all these different interactions that I can investigate actually who I am or what I think about these things or mm. will I express myself or just bite my tongue mm. but then you're not doing that around the person that you're in a relationship with mm. so then when you come home it's like do do you it's like fit like you yeah it's, did before that's right it's yeah. like two samples then if I'm imagine like they've been doing the same thing yeah I imagine like two different petri dishes side by side and then how romantic and they take it right it's pretty scientific isn't it? <laughs> and you're single right yeah <laughs> but then then putting them together again and going the same like they've changed yeah. organically yeah even though they're the same person but they're still interacting the same way and well, stuff. well I've always had this you know ever since I was old enough to think that when you meet someone <clears throat> for for there to be I, I, I'm of the belief that a long-term relationship, mm-hmm. a happy, fulfilling, long-term relationship, might sound really negative here, <laughs> is really hard to come by. No, man, 100%. So, <laughs> so for you to share common goals, share values, ethics, morals, grow over time as a couple, but then in your own Petri dish, as you... As you <laughs> so elegantly yeah, <laughs> You're growing developing changing evolving you're both doing that yeah simultaneously but both collectively doing that as a couple yeah and then 
like the chances of that happening and aligning in, har- in, in harmony and union and not for one to veer off and then it not quite plugging back in yeah as it once did you know it's so rare it is rare and I mean who's to say that's like that's the end of it you know what I mean but of that certain relationship because who knows time may tell all that kind of stuff but it's just been interesting now to really step out as not having to worry about or or be reserved in in certain situations and go oh wow you know this is how I feel about that or and being on the road so much more and come back and seeing your mates and hearing them talk about something for four months on a phone or whatever and then you come back and you see them and nothing's changed Mm. you're like you said all this stuff and nothing's what are you talking about? Like you can't or plans and stuff. Yeah, plans and and personal goals or you know relationship things with the you know um, women or men in their life or it it I don't know it makes me so much more aware of time passing being on the road because mm. you have to take advantage of of every day and and do something with every day otherwise you, you could just be on the road and you couldn't uh, actually be well otherwise you'll be you know what's the alternative you. Watching a movie in your hotel room, or that's, that's do you know right. what I mean? Like that's you have right. to explore, meet people, engage. Like and yeah. so, it's kind of a, an enriched life. It might be lonely on the flip on, side. It's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So for the amount of times that I've sat there and gone, well, I miss home, or I wish that you know this wasn't the case that I could sit down and be with someone, or um, like I miss my mates. Then you sit around going, yeah, but I can go and see this show. Or I can go and like hike up this mountain, or yeah. I can see this site, or I can work with this teacher because yeah. I'm in that area, or I yeah. can audition for this person, or meet yeah. this director. It's yeah, like, you kind of, you kind of, yeah, your circumstance forces you to be out your comfort zone at times too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And, and also, like, I've made a thing now, being a pardon of that milk this milk in your guts. You're on war, Jesus. I had baked beans for breakfast. So that's oh, where... Don't yeah. disturb Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but i got this thing now where, whether or not it's for an audience or for me, it's every week, write a song and record it. And that's why I was asking you earlier about microphones and stuff like that. Because mm. I wanted to get um, a, a better idea of, of that stuff. So that when you're on the road, regardless of what you're doing, you still have an output goal to hold yourself to. And it kind of focuses you in, like, you've got three hours between a meeting and jumping on a plane or something and going to set or whatever. And you're like, well, with those three hours, I, I could just sit here and surf the web or go for a walk. But it's like, no, also sit down and, and try to at least find a working desk mm. in brackets, wherever you are, mm. so that you're still <coughs> developing as a, as a creative or a person and, and honing a skill as such. But if you're due on set, in the afternoon or evening or you've got to be on mm. for whatever you know you've got an event or a speech or whatever can you the the moments or the hours before that can you like do something yeah, else like I, I can't like it, if I know like yesterday is a classic example so mm. I had an event that I was hosting um, and so that started at six and you know, I've got work to do, and I did bits and pieces. Yeah. But my day was preoccupied, or my thought was preoccupied by what was happening at night. Yeah, okay. And so, you, and so you're not really, certainly not in the moment, you're certainly not 
as productive as you could be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, but, I, but I think that comes down with stress and managing stress. Like, for me, that event is stressful, so I need to prep. I need to be... Yeah. Like, um, Phys- like mentally Mentally aware putting of- myself in that room. Yeah. What does the room look like? Who are the people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I have to... What I rely on imagery to kind of lessen or dampen the stress. Do you... Because I've seen that now that you've, like, you've, you've started to um, step into meditating, mm. right? So do you, when you meditate or when you visualize stuff, are you visualizing, um, like when we were playing uh, AFL, it was all a thing of visualize yourself at the end of the year for every game that you were getting prepped for, visualize yourself picking up you know, MVP and, and the feeling of, or like shaking that person's hand while you receive that memo, or getting the photo taken of, you got, of the boys with the flag. You know, like, do you sort of you visualize mm. the end of the day or no. moments during the, the host? Hosting? No, it's it's almost the opposite end. It's almost like rehearsing and prepping what that the first moments look like. Oh, because that's pivotal for me. Like, if I nail that, like my mood is lifted and enhanced. Right. So I'm like, right. But so for me, that that intro, I pretty much know going into it. For the first 30, 60 seconds if at least. Be... Well, for the first 30 or 60 seconds, I know pretty much verbatim what I'm going to say. Right. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for coming. Blah, blah, blah. I know. Because I have to get that right. Yeah. For then that to to put me in the right headspace for the rest. Gotcha. Once I'm, once the wheels are churning and the cogs are, cogs are moving, uh-huh. I'm fine. Yeah. But I've got to get that first 30, 60 seconds. Right. I don't, <clears throat> so I'm not picturing or I don't have imagery of me at the end of the event right. receiving whatever it is. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But like the um, reaction on their faces at the end or no, someone I saying don't. like, thanks for the great day. No. Or, no, 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 no. Okay. No, it's me. What What do they look like? Who are they? If I know the room, mm-hmm. it's really helpful for me if I've been there before. So I can go, right. okay, that, that's what it looks like. Um, these are the people I'm working with. Who are the guests that'll be there? Numbers. I need to know. Yeah, numbers are really. Are yeah. really do you go and ask about age range? Uh, or no. demographic or such like um, more male or female type stuff? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's nice to know because I I swear a lot. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love like I sense this so much. So, so much. you know, and I. I like last night, it was a, a crowd that you could swear, right? And I might be wrong, but you know, I've, I've <clears> done, I've done, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago to a hundred w- business women, right? For me, that wasn't a platform to maybe not <laughs> effing blind. <laughs> not saying that women don't right. swear, but um, you know, you got to be selective and choose totally. You know, pick your audience and I guess. pick the demeanor and the decorum that yeah. then goes with it. That's pretty terrifying, actually speaking in front of the 100 women I, I remember what was the one of the first things I ever did up north when I was a kid was like play music at so I grew up like um, northwest Australia up in Karatha in the desert to 2000 k's north of Perth so it was middle of nowhere and the only reason why I was able to kind of get heaps of music gigs when I was a kid was because I was pretty much the, one of the only people one of probably four people up there who could play for three hours and not be blind it was right. because I was 16 that no one would serve me so it was like 
oh, this kid's a sure thing. Like, regardless, we can get him on and he's going to be great the whole way through and not going to make stupid jokes or not take requests, you know. <coughs> so, this, so, sorry, this is in, like, social... Like in bars. Yeah, in bars and pubs and private parties and yeah. um, Christmas parties and stuff like that. And one of the things we used, I used to do a fair bit was go out to like the races and stuff. And it was all held out on red dirt. Camels. No, no, it was horses, but there was no grass. Like there was no grass that they were running on red dirt. Yeah. They had a bit of grass for the horses to run on in the later years. Um, but then getting up and doing, I used to host the fashion show at the end and get you know do the judging and give the awards and stuff so there's 16 year old me probably like heavily in the midst of puberty and, like, <laughs> and doing those things it was terrifying not knowing um kind of what right that's ballsy for that who, age, to, who like. to speak to and like what to do and i suppose i know it's interesting that you're thinking about the first moments rather than the ending moments because if you just get started then It'll be okay. like the rest will take over. Yeah, your muscle memory and and what yeah. you're doing will take over, um, which is kind of, like a lot of performers do that. A lot of stage performers do that because the first moments are so important. If yeah. you're on stage and the room's black and you're walking out, and you've got to get everyone's attention and have that energy to go. All of a sudden, you know, audience to entertainer or audience to yeah. um, presenter. If you've lost them, you've lost them. And yeah. you're never going to get them back, yeah. no matter how much you work. And then it'll just seem like work, rather than actually taking them somewhere else. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's about um, you engineer it for yourself mm. more, almost more than the audience. Like Tony like, Robbins jumps on a trampoline, a mini trampoline before he goes out on stage. Yeah, right. To mimic some form of. Oh, I've like, done that before. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're just off stage, just jump up and down. Yeah, spot. get I think the energy ex, going. My ex-wife told me about it. And or I'll go to the bathroom. Like, yeah. Scott, you're on in two minutes. I'll always go to the bathroom, and that's not necessarily to have a pee. Or, uh-huh. But it'll give me one or two minutes to kind of have a few deep breaths. And then when I'm walking back, mm-hmm. I force myself, even if I'm shitting my pants, to smile. Right. Big grin, big smile, and then it just puts me in a di- different mental headspace. Yeah. And then I know what the first 30 seconds are going to be. Yeah. And if I can push through that and nail it, then I know the rest will take care of itself. Have you ever done posing? Where, like, not muscular posing. Mate, right? who are you talking to? <laughs> in the chair, in the gym. But when you... It's the Harvard thing. I don't know where it came from. Some, some intelligent people figured it out. But when you sit, whether or not you do, like, yeah. you know, sitting... And you and or you stand up and you do the so Superman pose, or Wonder Woman pose with your, you know your fists on the outside. Clench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing like a headband and stuff, and bring your own fan to blow your hair around <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> but yes, you, you sit with your your fists clench and you put them on the side of your hips and uh-huh. and puff your chest out. And you just hold it for five or ten seconds and three big deep breaths in those five or ten seconds and hold the breath and puff your chest out and then release again and. Or even stand and kind of raise your fist like the, you know, like the uh, flying move, all the black pants, anything that's like empowering or like you're going for. And if you do that, it enhances your um, your adrenaline, yeah, your confidence, yeah, yeah, everything about it because you're standing taller, your breath is engaged, mm. you're not, you know, hunched over waiting in a waiting room or crossing your arms or fidgeting. You're having to mm. 
feel the pose mm. and, and feel like your body's kind of coming engaged. Mm. So I do that in audition rooms because it's a, it's such a vulnerable place to, to mm. walk in there and know that, yeah, the casting director wants you to succeed. They, they, they honestly do. They want everyone walking that door to be that person because then their job is done. They don't have to see anyone else. Mm. They don't want you to walk in there and fail. Mm. Um, but you're walking in and you're seeing 20 guys that look exactly like you, maybe with like more proportionate noses. Um, <laughs> and it's intimidating. And you've got to kind of go in there and believe in your version of that and, and what you're bringing to the table and stuff. So that's my thing, in, mm. even before going on stage, or to put on a song that's relative to the event or the character and just blast it. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, I think music's a great way to kind of... You've, you've attached a certain emotion to to music or certain people. Mm. And so if you can plug into that, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's just another mechan- mechanism or pathway to kind of lift your mood and put you in the in the moment. 100%. I, was, I had Matilda Brown on um, a few weeks ago and we were talking about castings and... Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Because oh yeah. Yeah. She she did the great um, web series. Yeah. Right. Right. That I think got. Um, no, I can't remember. I maybe think of a different person. I know they know. But sorry, what was she oh, saying? <coughs> just talking about castings and for me that that sounds fucking terrifying. Yeah. You know. And so you see, and she she do a lot of casting, right? Well, she was saying that you have to become uh, resilient. Um, to rejection and well she she didn't she didn't phrase it she peeled back on that so rather than rejection it's like oh it's gone to someone else it's not like you've been rejected it's they've chosen someone else for yeah reasons a b and c when you when you're going for something that you're very close to not even if you're getting close to it as getting the role but i mean as as though you feel like that's your role yeah when you when you hear the no that's that's when you feel rejected when you're going for an audition and you don't hear about it and you kind of go, oh, cool, it's gone to someone else and you see it go to a friend and you go, oh, that's great. Like, yeah. if anything, I'm just glad it went to you. Yeah, but if it's the other way around, you're so heartbroken. Right. I remember not talking to a few friends for months just because, you know, you're unaware of them going for it and you know there's something you really you want to want it to do and it's not a reflection on what you think of them as an actor, but it's just a well, thing. So, hang on, you... You got the role. No, no, they got the role. Oh, they got the role. And like I was, you're just gunning for it, and you really want it. So I'm, you don't I'm really competitive, and yeah, you know, my I've taken that from sport and kind of putting it into my acting. Um, and yeah, I just couldn't bring myself to speak to him. I mean, I sent a little thing saying, "Congrats, hope it goes all well." Can't. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. But is he yeah, one the, of the? Is he one of the friends that you've? No, 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 we, we catch up. The friends that I've, like, the friends that I'm, can, you know, the, I'm not even considering it. It's just, it's just a, it's just a thought. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm becoming more aware of time and time is a, something that you only get Mate, we need to so remind much of. The audience here, how old are you? 26. Yeah, right. And, like, I feel like this morning, you know, I came 20 minutes late. And you understand that you can't get from ten to ten twenty back ever again on on Wednesday, October, or Wednesday, November first. Like you'll never get it back. It's I was the one waiting, mate. I know. 
But this is like, you know, <laughs> shit out. <laughs> but you, you become so aware of, you know, when you, when you sit, it's like, because when you're on the road or in a festival thing and people are like, do you mind if you just come and do this? You're like, oh, I kind of do because hmm. I, I want to talk to my friend about a short film I'm, I'm trying to make or I want to read this book or I'm... So like, you, you're not a yes man. You won't say yes to appease people. And I used, I used to always be a yes man and sometimes when I'm in a certain place it'll make me be a yes man because the way that they go about things I'm all a, I'm all for them I'm I love what they're doing and they're really open about what's happening whereas other places won't tell you about certain things and then they'll just keep heaping them on you yeah and you're like when I got my timetable there was nothing in it and now you wanted me to do all this stuff yeah that seems like quite big things yeah that should have been require my energy yeah, and that, time and that should have really been passed through certain things like I got to somewhere and they said oh you didn't bring your guitar I was like, well, no, there was, I don't even know what I'm doing today. You, you just said, come and meet here, we'll go to the thing. It's like, are you going to go see a, a group of kids at their school? And you get to the school and it's this huge assembly oh, of all these kids and teachers and everyone's been hyped up that you're coming and <laughs> no one's told you anything. So you kind of, you know. Yeah, at no, this, that's not on. At the, no, it's not on professionally. And at the same time, you know that it's a, a smaller festival and in a, you know, maybe a remoter area. So you shouldn't really hold them to any kind of standard but at the same time it's work and and you you kind of want to be respected so you try not to be a hard ass but you do want you, you know at the end of the day you want yeah, to be there's, respected there's, as professional not yeah, just some kind of like expectations blowing. yeah that come because of the industry you're in and past experiences so you get to a point where you're like well, okay things come through my manager and they're yeah this is what you need to bring. This is the time totally expected of you. Because then I can give 150%. Yeah. Which is what we do. Rather than just kind of rocking up and being the blow-in and doing a little thing. Yeah. So I used to always be a yes man. And then it it did yeah, kind I, of I, burn me a little bit. Yeah, you I've, know? I've peeled back. I, I was a yes man. And it served me so well for so long. But yeah. just in the last sort of, I don't know, mate, short period, like 6 to 12 months, I've dialed back a little bit. I yeah. Won't, I won't... I'm just a bit more precious and conserving of my energy. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's just where I am in this moment in time. Yeah. And whether I'll go back to how I was. But I'm, yeah. I'm very mindful of, you know, this is precious. It's not limitless. So if I give you energy and I wasn't expecting to, whether I that's can't. a, you know, you, d- you do a talk, for example, and then people come up to you after and, and want to, tell you about their health journey or whatever yeah. it is yeah and you could stand there all night yeah because yeah. people want to share and yeah. it's great but the longer I do that the lesser you you have to give later yeah or, and 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 when you're on I know, it probably sounds a bit cuntish but no no it's, it's not but I think I think that's also like a really interesting thing right so one of my favorite ever things to read is um, on the shortness of life by Seneca who was a, um, a Roman Empire and philosopher, emperor, sorry, and a philosopher. He was one of the last Caesars. Um, no, he wasn't, a, he wasn't an emperor. That was Marcus Aurelius, sorry. Um, all great philosophers, like really interesting readings that when you read it, sure, the language is haughty taughty like, but as soon as you compare it to self-help books nowadays, it's exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not telling you to, to be... It's just making you aware of, like, to be selfish isn't necessarily a terrible thing. And it's only because 
Yeah, there's a negative attachment to there's it. There's a negative attachment to it, and whether that's come through time because... Uh, and also the way that social media works or the internet works is that it's in your pocket. So someone wants to reach you, they can reach inside of your home even though you've taken the time out to be by yourself or you're on a cliff face reading yeah. a book or yeah. in a coffee shop in a yeah. distant neighborhood. They can reach you and get in and get into that private space. Yeah. So whenever you get a chance to have some private space, it's so wonderful to actually go and have silence and, and not go inside yourself but just kind of take a moment to do something yeah. you want to do. Well, like, yeah, that's very true. Like, social media is... Your door's always open. It's always there. And so, like, your energy is... It's always kind of half-diverted. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. And I... Same as with emails. Anyone can... I might be rehearsing a character or a song or writing something, and that stuff can take anywhere from, you know, three minutes to four hours. But as soon as an email comes in, I feel like there's an obligation for me to answer ah, it. And yeah. And because it's immediate, where in actual fact, whenever I get to it is whenever I get to it. It doesn't, and that's not a selfish thing. That's actually a really positive thing, because the more I give to myself, the more I can give to somebody else. Yeah. And the shortness of life essay just talks about how time is truly the only thing that you will ever actually own. Like I can own this, like I can own a, a, a motorbike. One day it'll stop working. Or I might have to sell it to then be able to buy a plane ticket to go off to the LA and, and chase the dreams one last time. Or, but time and who I spend it with and who I give it to, and how I spend it is is the only thing I have my control over. Mm. If you in if you're in a job that you don't like, you've chosen to give your time on this earth, the only one that you have to that thing. Mm. But if you want to sit down and read a book. Or, or chat to a good friend, then it's really it's you got to think about it as like as gold, like or as a you've got to put more um, emphasis and kind of um, uh, value gra- gra- gravity, like yeah, gravity to our time, and you know, so when you it's not about the amount of time you spend with the time, but what the quality of of is that of in in the, in that time, you yeah, know? like yeah, all these friends that when I'm back home they're like come and hang out we'll do this I'm like no we're rushed like I'll be coming back from this and then you'll be running off to do that like let's wait until there's 30 minutes where we're not having to do anything we can just sit and mm. and chat mm. otherwise well, otherwise you you know because your energy or your it, it's not finite in any one day so if it's constantly being chipped at through social media and people grabbing your time and yeah. wanting answers and emails and texts and yeah, you get to a point where your exchange with people is far from optimal. Like yeah, you, you feel shit energetically. You're not giving them what they deserve, and you're cluttered. Like you, what you're saying doesn't make sense. No, nah. like I see it a lot with me. Like if I'm fried because you know. I've I've put out a lot of energy yeah, for cooking a, demonstration right. and then someone wants has an inquiry after and then I speak to someone about a health problem and then someone yeah. else comes up and then by that time I'm I'm fried like I yeah. I don't have it's not that I um don't have compassion for that person or no, no. or that I don't want to engage no. but my 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 capacity to engage on a level that I would like to isn't there yeah and so they probably walk away going, oh, <laughs> seems so nice on social right, media. Right. And, and then there's a thing of also going like outside of that, 
you've got you know you've got your family you've got your friends you've got whatever's happening in the next event and then next week and because we're all hands-on people we do it ourselves you know we do the organization and and the prep and that ourselves and plus your own learning because there's no way you could just rest on the laurels and do the same thing the same mm. way all the time without mm. having new information coming at you. Mm. So you're always trying to... And these are all really positive things to think about. The mm. fact that you're thinking on, a, of that, on that level is, you know, what makes you different to... Um, you know, what, what gives the you poplar. the... The <laughs> And Bill, still asleep <laughs> in, in the sleeping bag. But they're all really positive things. It, it's... it's um. I mean, I, I, I think also the reason why I've started to do it or become more aware of it now is family too. Like, because whenever I... My family's all over the place. My sister lives in America with her husband and my niece, a nephew, sorry. And then my mum and dad still live home in Karatha and with my other sister and her husband and the other nephew. And then you've got all the other family living in Albany in southwest Australia. And so Christmases in trying to get to see everybody is all over the place and then trying to get through time zones to speak to people is all over the place mm. and trying to find a place where we can all sit down and actually Skype or so have that, a chance that kills to chat. me like my, my really family are in, in the UK I mean there's not many left of them now but you know I, I try and speak to my mum and my sister yeah and they want to chat in the morning their time and I'm like, what's that time difference for you? Like, what is that? Oh, it depends what time of year, but it can be nine hours, can be 11 hours. Right. But and you're winding nine, down. Oh, like, mate, I'm... You're by, dead. By, by, I don't know, five? <laughs> I'm done. I, I'm, I'm in a dark hole. Not not in a, you know... In a dark place or whatever, but like... Yeah, not in a dark place, but yeah, I'm yeah. literally like... I'm done with the day. Yeah, I'm... Like, um, I'm done. Yeah, doing the things <laughs> to like doing the things to prep for the more like the next day, and turning off so you can get to sleep and yeah. you know, yeah, hundred percent. And then when you when you're on set or something, your problems is when I'm on set, my problems become so finite and so small and ridiculous. Like it's stupid because it's all I'm worried about is the next day mm. and solving a problem that happened on set with an actor or an actress or a director or the writer or within a scene and trying to consolidate something I couldn't work out in the scene that's going to inflict on the scene we're filming tomorrow that comes immediately before that moment in the film. So I'm trying to solve the problem mm. that is literally going to be 20 seconds on a TV screen. No one's going to care. Like, what you're doing is fake. But to me, it's everything. It's, it's everything yeah. I do. But yeah. Then, on the ride home, the runner wants to talk about his favourite album. Yeah. And, like, and all you want to do is turn off, yeah, and try to try to relax so that by the time you get home at 11 o'clock at night, you can learn lines for an hour and a half Jeez. and then go to bed and get up at 4.30 to do, still get to the gym before you get picked up at 6 and then you sit in a chair for an hour and a half in makeup and then you get to sit and there's 40 extras and someone wants to ask Chats you here. a question about oh, getting my, to school or, you know, you know, and then you've made friends with the people on set because you're a friendly guy and you also think that everyone should feel comfortable in the workspace yeah so then someone else wants to say something to you or yeah. ask you about something else and see that that's when I get very precious about my energy that's right and when so, you put it in that perspective that's when it doesn't seem selfish yeah you know so when, moments before so I need to know exactly what, like I discussed earlier like I need to know those first 30 60 seconds so even when I'm there I'm 
picturing me, okay, I'm going to stand over there now. So before yeah. I was at home, imaging myself in the room. Yeah. Now I'm in the room and I'm going to write in about five minutes, I'm going to be on that stage. What does that look like? So you start to kind of refine that that moment. Yeah. And then if someone says, hey, Scott, what, what are you it's up so, to at the moment? You're like, oh, fuck it out. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal with this. Yeah. Like, I can't talk to you right now. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah. but then you feel like a shithead. You, you feel do. like, I didn't give that person, you know, they probably walked away and gone, he's what a, a fucking douchebag. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It, it's, and it's all, it's all good stuff to reflect on because, it, and it's also outside of these professions you know think about someone who you know works a nine to five or somewhere you get up seven o'clock have a coffee read the paper or get online and tune in with friends or what's happening and going on or read their book or watch a podcast or have their brekkie get in the car doing the makeup in the car which is really funny to watch I ride motorbikes so it's like yeah, I love right. sitting at traffic lights and all I can do is hold the motorbike you know because that's your one responsibility yeah. is, not, is not die. Um, Suzuki GS500. Okay. That's good fun. But the amount of people that you're watching in like two ton bits of steel yeah. that could go through somebody else and just like doing, uh, yeah, complete other <laughs> stuff. What are you doing? Um, but they get to work and then it's chatting with coworkers and then you're doing, you know, the work stuff and then you have lunch with coworkers or around coworkers. You finish at five get in traffic for an hour and a half, get home, have a shower, read your book, or watch telly for an hour and go to bed. But it's like, if if you stop and think about, have you taken a, like an hour out of that day to give to yourself, like to give, and if you can, if you can say, if, you, if the answer is no, you gotta change something because then you're not developing as, as personal growing or get like you're mm. saying getting outside that comfort zone like mm. going and doing something for an hour that you wouldn't normally do or going and seeing a, a music gig on a Tuesday night mm. it doesn't have to be a late night but something that kind of puts you outside of yourself like yeah. even if you're in a relationship go and do something for, for you that yeah. then allows you to give back to the relationship uh, yeah, and totally. you know lock yourself in the room and read your book or yeah. watch a documentary you want to watch that your partner doesn't want to watch or because otherwise you're kind of turning off like yeah one of the sentences in that book is like life is long if you know how to live it and mm. it's like you got to you got to do right by yourself in the time that you get to you can't always be just giving mm. you got to you got to be selfish you're fucking wise old owl aren't you hey hey <laughs> and then the petri dishes and then people are like oh but he's a dick <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, so what are you up to at the moment I'm. What are we doing? Oh, are you going to LA? Yeah, so I came. I was there. I got back what Saturday morning, um, and I, I just we were over there, kind of releasing the the film Jungle, which Daniel Radcliffe is the lead on and directed by Greg McLean. It's a like an action adventure um, story of three mates who go to Daniel Radcliffe. He's the Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. right? Um, and he's quite small, isn't he? He's yeah. So I'm 6'3", and he was about 5'8", five, five. yeah, 5'7", yeah, he's a pretty short guy. But he's a great human being. You have to stand in the trench and him. There'd be a lot of scenes where it was like, how can we find a way to make Joel sit down? 
already. <laughs> yeah. Joe, do you want to do this scene again? Yeah. Just on your knees. Maybe you're kneeling in this one, mate. <laughs> what? What? We're walking down. They're walking. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but, but to be honest, like the amount of energy that... There's a lot of stuff that's been said about Marilyn Monroe and how she could walk around Hollywood and go and get a coffee and a meal at a really normal place and no one would recognize her with a, you know she'd be with a friend and the friend would be amazed and be like wow you do like what is happening you know mm. but you Marilyn Monroe this is ridiculous mm. she should be you know you should be loved and she's like yeah but watch this and then she'd look up and she'd turn on the energy that is Marilyn Monroe like you were saying that mm. thing of where I am in that space and boom like that mm. everyone in the room would turn yeah, everyone right. would go nuts so that's that movie star kind of essence of watchability and mm. And he had that in spades, man. So to right. be with him and just hanging out before shoot day or driving to set or talking on the days off. and But then when you get to set and it's a really intense or, you know, dramatic scene and he just turns on this magnetism, it's like... And then people go, was he always, you know, was he quiet on set and did he have his own trailer? Of course he did. He, did you, do you have any kissing scenes together? No. Yeah. No sex scenes? No though. sex scenes. Just lots of... Yeah, because you're always the same height in bed, aren't you? you That's it. The thing at the end of the day. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk to him about Harry Potter? No, I didn't. Fuck, you must hate that. I had a couple of jokes with him over now and again. I'd see like a Pete because we're filming it in the jungles all through Colombia and right. and Queensland and stuff, and so I just have jokes. I could pick up a stick and be like, maybe this is the one. <laughs> Pretending to be wand, maybe this is mine. So I put the fucking stick down. Like, yeah. Right. Like, oh, Wasn't okay. funny the first time. Yeah. It's been going on three weeks now, like. Yeah. But it, that, that occupied a lot of his upbringing, hey. It was like oh, over. Um, a, it was you know it's a ten fifteen year period. Yeah. But I think you know in the same way he he knows that he owes a lot of his career to it, yeah. or his his whole career to it. But I feel like he's he's beyond that now. You know. What I, I mean? like, oh, he is, and he's so talented. I think I saw him in some sort of dark movie. He was, was sort of horns. Where he, he makes it packed with the devil and horns come out of his head. No. Um, and Or Imperium was a recent one that he did where he played an undercover FBI agent with yeah. neo-Nazis. Yeah, he kills I was going to say it was the neo-Nazi skinhead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he does such a good job, but yeah. he, you know, different accents. and um, But that, that film is coming out here in Australia uh, November 9th and will be playing all over Australia, 30 cinemas and stuff. Yeah, amazing. So it's, it's incredible to go, you know, I was on... Because I've never been in a long-running series, which I think is when people start to recognise you more because yeah. there's more fan base yeah. and you know you're a regular thing on TV. Um, all of the stuff I've done is uh, mini series or only a few episodes, whereas now it's an audience of cinemas, yeah. you know, and your face isn't on a TV screen or on someone's catch-up on their on their phone or on a computer. Yeah. It's a screen that's thirty foot by twenty foot. You yeah. know, it's a it's a really different. Um, mechanism and the acting style I think changes as well and so you, you get a lot of air time like you yeah I, I play his best or... I play his best friend yeah right um, but again completely you know a Swiss German accent big yeah. beard huge hair oh, we all, fuck you're not going to get recognised I know <laughs> we all lost a lot of weight and you know I was wearing glasses the whole time and oh mate you got no chance oh, no chance <laughs> <laughs> but it's also one of those great opportunities where you you kind of I look at what Daniel's done and and I understand that 
Well, he's he is he is. People will recognise him as Harry Potter because I say, you know, you get in a car and someone goes, "What do you do?" And I used to say, "I'm a carpenter," so no one would ask me questions. But now I say I own it because to me, it's when I did that, that was me not believing in mm. myself. Cool. You know, I gave myself an out, right? Yeah. Um, and ever since then, saying I'm an actor, I've actually committed to more things. Like I've started making my own content and my own short films and writing things or wanting to be involved in other aspects of it. It's interesting when you start committing to something, um, how, how much that can kind of shift what you're doing. But when you look at Daniel, like... But you wear a tall belt. I wear it. <laughs> yeah, still walking around like a two by four. <laughs> so uh, maybe you could put a... <laughs> pencil behind your ear. <laughs> yeah, like a draft pencil. Like, <laughs> a long, yeah, the thin line. <laughs> yeah. And a tape measure on your belt. Yeah, so um, <laughs> just thinking all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know why all tradies speak like that. Probably not. No, probably probably not. Really eloquent. Some of them might have a yeah. Swiss German accent. I'm so thinking <laughs> in, the, in the back of the cupboard here, we could have a revolving door. <laughs> um, but you know, when pe- I say Daniel Radcliffe, and no one knows who he is, but I say Harry Potter, and they all lose their mind. Mm. Um, so to be defined by that too is really interesting. Whereas all the things I've done, I've been able to hide in a way. So no one, no one puts any weight on me to be a certain thing. Yeah. Because I'm un, no one really knows who I am, which is great. And in the critical world of acting, the directors and producers and people I want to know who I am know who I am. But outside of it, there's no expectation to be something other than Joel. Yeah, well, I think the difference is with Daniel is that he played a role for a very long time. Such a long time. Do you know what I mean? It, I mean, I think it's one of the most recognisable faces mm. in modern times, mm. to be fair. Yeah, I think there's me, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Bill. Uh, no, maybe not Bill. Yeah. Um, who else? The Queen, you know, but that's that. Yeah, there's a few of us. There's a few of you. Yeah. It must be tough to be on that roster. Oh, that's a... Mate. When are they bringing out the new mint? <laughs> the new mint. The new mint. The fifty cent coin. Scott Gooding. Met Lee on one side, the Queen on the other. <laughs> but um, so doing the films coming out here, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens after that. I'm a very impatient person, um, even though I talk about you know all that stuff about time, and I'm really impatient. I'm really competitive about. How to use it? Well, you probably get the most driven out of like it. you want to do stuff. You yeah, want to, you know, I hate like sitting still. Yeah, like I can't. That's not a bad thing. I'm up at five. Yeah, I can't. I can't sit still. It's mm. the bane of. But it's in the relationships. It's when they're like, "Can you just sit and and do nothing?" It's like I can't. Mm. Um. But at the same, so yeah, you know, it's interesting to do something in March last year, and now it's coming out in November. Of, you know, a year later. Yeah, right. More. Um, so you got a premiere in Sydney? Yeah, we've got a couple of screenings here and a few Q&As. One at the Ritz in Randwick on the 9th. Yeah. Um, and then I'll head back to the States in America and uh, really, really try to have a red-hot go. Because on the yeah, back awesome. of the film, it's like... And then, uh, yeah, yeah there's some seem, interest. It would seem like a good moment to, yeah. to stick your head out. And then there's a show on SBS next year called Safe Harbour. Which is, uh, I think, in, in you know, in my eyes, one of the first times that Australians are investigating or, exp- you know, bringing to light um, 
the immigration policies and stuff in Australia right. and, and the stress on being a refugee and coming to the lucky country yeah. but but kind of being shown the door yeah. and, and not welcomed with, with open arms yeah, as yeah. much as we all kind of speak about it it's like there is a crisis going on all around the world there's more refugees on the move than, than there was in any period in history yeah right um, but you know we're not it's a blessing you know it's a blessing to live in this really beautiful country but it also makes us a little bit apathetic to other things that are going well, on yeah, around we, the world you know we don't want change and because why not why not why change it but because then we it's so you know fantastic. look at our history like it's you know we're so diverse and we've you know we flocked here once the once it was discovered in inverted commas yeah. by by whiteies like we all flocked here from yeah. every corner of the earth like it's not we're not this we're indigenous not, nation no that no we want to keep it as is it's like well, no. look we're, we've got this checkered past I'm and sure it's also it recent be more, we could be more embracing of, of, of yeah of, you know of, and it's so recent too like you know a hundred years ago not even that I was speaking to a, um, uh, an indigenous elder down at the Men of Letters and he was doing a, um, uh, a speech it was based on the, the women who changed our life and he, a lot of people wrote it to you know mothers who had passed on or wives or um, you know some guy wrote it to Kate Bush which was awesome another guy wrote it to Mrs Joyce Barnaby Joyce's mum Kate thank Bush him. yeah Kate Bush the singer right okay like it's me Kathy yeah. Um, and you know this during the speech this guy he was he was um, taken from his family and put in a mission and, and this was during you know his lifetime and and you know my you know, dad's lifetime or, or things like you know and you start to go my god like this history mm. of, of the kind of subjugation of indigenous culture in this country is so recent that oh. it's still it's still alive like there isn't yeah. And it still goes on, and um, but there's also um, a much more recent history of you know, refugees or, or um, people coming to this country legally. But then mm. uh, there's just such an interesting. Um, it needs to be explored and kind of expelled. Well, it, 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 it's sadly been sort of. It's so damning of our culture and our nation that it's been embarrassingly swept under the carpet. So people don't have like this this sort of widespread disdain or racism towards the indigenous be- mm. because I don't think it's commonly known what we've done, like yeah. what what happened. No, do you know what I mean? Because it's been swept under the it's carpet. It's been so, like, and you know, it's not taught in history books. That's fucked. In in primary schools or in high schools, it's not spoken about. But yet we'll focus on, you know, people will read. All quiet on the Western Front. You know that's a huge that, that that's a huge thing in history that we must, you know, investigate yeah. to understand and why the world still is still like but ostracised them. Yeah, you and, know, and the, the, some of the living conditions out in regional Australia. Yeah, like they've got third world fucking conditions yeah. and third world diseases and yeah, health and, problems and, and, and literacy. Poor, you know, yeah, like one in sanitation. Three. It's like stuff that's been cleared up in remote countries in yeah. remote areas in Africa let yeah. alone fucking on our doorstep it's yeah. like it's ha- how is this even happening like it's it, just you know it be- it does beg a belief eh and I mean and it, and it's on you know it's on um, the upshot like there, there are massive improvements being made and and people um, 
of Indigenous heritage really getting you know getting put into Parliament and get into yeah. put a place of power where they can influence change and and bring things to light and you know Black Lives Matter movement stuff in the states is doing so much for back here at home too and but I don't know I think I think the show will be um, an interesting thing just to investigate you know you don't you do own where you live and you do own the property that you have sure but on the same token everyone who is there with you deserves and it's like women in workplace and the way that Harvey Weinstein and stuff like that is going down in the media uh, industry at the moment it's like everyone deserves to be safe and mm. has the right to feel equal and, and like they belong yeah. and, and, and a right to you know not be ostracised in, in yeah. their environment and it's the same as being a, you know being in a, in a country or a home or, or a place it's it's as much as yours as it is of everybody's and yeah. Australia is so big there's so much of it to go around yeah you you know we've we kind of got to open our doors and and also make an international statement by by doing more I mean the Manus Island and Nauru and stuff like that that's that's horrible what we've yeah. what we've done to people and the fact of what we're saying is oh we won't have them in our country but we'll happily give them with a with a deal that we've made in the states mm. and that that you know that blows your mind people have traveled years and given their life savings to come across on a on a boat to get here and it's only because the boat is the only way like yeah, but I think people perceive it as a I don't know people are coming on these you know the boat people have got such a you know there's such a in the media such a negative connotation with that but yeah. there's a fucking reason they're on a boat it's exa- they, do you know what they I mean can't, you, can't, you can't come to Australia unless you ha- and it, you know that's for fair enough reasons too but you can't you can't come to Australia without having papers and you can't if you don't have them, you can't come without having return dates. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to have those things in order for you to be jumping on a plane. Otherwise, these people would be on a plane. They can't get these things and they can't get visas because their country doesn't want them to leave. Yeah. Because it's under subjugation of a certain power or yeah. ethos or religion, and yeah. so they escape somehow and make their way across all these countries to get to the one place that they can get somewhere. Yeah. And they put themselves in harm's way. I mean. Who, there's would a choo- who, would who, who would choose to put a yeah. young child on a on a on a flimsy boat out in the middle of the Timor Sea yeah. and, and to come to a place like they don't do it or, or coming across you know agency and going across in Europe to get to um, Italy or, or or Greece or places like that like no one chooses that no it's a it's a force it's a force it's a force out of circumstance and I mean yeah. So I mean, this 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 story is going to bring to light, hopefully, what happens post those things, and actually yeah. say that the, it doesn't the journey doesn't stop once they arrive in Australia, or you know, once they're lucky enough to get out of three years of being held in Manus or mm. you know Nauru or things like that. That and there is a, a if we choose to change the way that we view it, it'll same as you know equality with the Yes Marriage campaign and mm. stuff like that. As soon as we decide to open our ears and open our eyes a little bit more just about the right for for all to have a slice of the pie mm. we'll um because we can be very generous people Australians mm. I'd, I'd I think I think now's a time to get back to when Australians were you know some of the teaching stuff that's going on there's I think 
some like some of the poorer countries in in the world have better maths and science results than Australian schools now at the moment. Mm. And and these I don't know they we we we're on the move again Australians, but there there was a golden age, mm. and I feel like I feel like now we're we're kind of being awakened to the world and the impact that we can have, and they're all positive things, but. We've got to yeah, I think I think we just got one foot in the past, to a degree. From, yeah, you know, yeah, social change and um, we're waiting cultural on, acceptance, and, and we're waiting for somebody else to lead us, another country or an ally or something. Yeah. It feels like when you look around the globe, like talking about gay marriage, for example, like we're so far behind. Like it's yeah. happened in so many different countries, right across from Europe, uh, the states, you know, advanced countries, yeah, and everything down from there. It's like it, it served them well. Like it's, yeah. Do you know what I mean? What, what's the worst that can happen? And you know, you look at Canada, and you know, uh, you can always look at the populace of the people and kind of and see what's going on. And when you j- jump into airports and the way that people are talking to one another, or the demeanour that's kind of coming from the atmosphere, and yeah. it's really interesting. Um, coming back into Australia sometimes now and being like. I don't know. That there's a. I'd love an activated macadamia, mate. Uh, uh, <coughs> more expensive than gold, but <laughs> they're pretty good. Um, but it's in- it's interesting, you know. Now coming home and or, or hearing things on the street, or you know, there was a a woman that I met who was Australian on a hike in on Runyon Canyon in LA, and she was saying that like. She went to an Indian wedding on the weekend. She'd always wanted to go to India, but it's so dangerous and horrific and terrible now. But having been to the wedding, that was enough for her, and she she'll never go. And she laughed it off, and I just kind of stopped and just kind of looked at her and shook my head and was like, "Okay." It was like that's it's a really silly. I mean, everywhere is is going to be dangerous. I mean, you can go down to Bondi and someone might steal your backpack if you live on the beach. You know what I mean? Like. There's always going to be a risk of something. You can drive your car to work and yeah, I've met something people, might go wrong. I've met people that, when you discuss somewhere like India, they would just point blank refuse. Oh, I wouldn't want to go there. Too smelly and dirty. And yeah. It's like, you fucking kidding? Like it, it For me, it's like the best place I've ever been to. Yeah, right. For for that reason. Like, for the smells and the sights and you never lose sight of people. Like, there's fucking just people everywhere. Like, right. it's ordered chaos <laughs> the smells of the food and the street right. people and the beggars and the poverty and the, the like everything is just like I remember being on a train like it's trains are a whole new experience anyway do right. you know what I mean like just the, the sheer volume of people getting on staying on but then you watch out the window and you're travelling for 12 20 24 hours right and you never lose sight of civilization. You look out the window, and it might be urban, it might be rural, and everything in between. But there's people. Far out. People washing in the river, there's people farming, there's people in towns. And then you stop at a station, Mm. and that's an opportunity for vendors to come on and sell their wares, whether it's sarongs or um, street food, or there's beggars, like beggars poor fuckers coming on on skateboards because they've got no legs right, so they'll like, right. drag themselves down the carriage and people selling coffee and tea and it's like wowzers do you know what I mean yeah. and there's a station another K up the road so you just start pulling out of that station then you're and slowing then, down for the next one same thing woof and because 
you know, back then I had no hair, so this bald guy right. with blue eyes. Like a fucking you, like a fucking beater, honey. You know what I mean? Like, um, which kind of got it got quite exhausting after a while, you know, because people stare. Like, yeah. And it's not like in Australia where if you get caught staring, you kind you of come and don't yeah, do it again. Oh, sorry, and shit. Yeah. And you look away. There they don't have that. Well, that was my experience. So yeah. you'd be on a train for 24 hours with the whole carriage just... Just looking at you. Watching. But like, what are you going to do? Or you're walking down the street and you turn around, there's 20 guys just following you every yeah. step of the way. Yeah. I remember falling, in, falling asleep in a park in Bangalore just in like the botanical garden right just having like a bit of a breather yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I woke up and looked around there'd be like 40 school kids <laughs> just like <laughs> in a crescent behind me I'm like hey like it's so awesome it's great like it's this such a cool country this I'd love to go to India I've, I've done a ton of South America like I lived in Brazil for a year when I was 17 on um, student exchange um and I think, you know, there's so, there's so much to get from traveling. And even... I know, you, you meet a ton of Aussies that haven't even seen the west coast of Australia. Mm. Or been out to Northern Territory. And, you know, interacted with the indigenous culture of this land. Yeah. And that's such a... Well, that's... A, that's yeah. You know, like, I can't, I can't wait for some of my... You know, for that to become... The, 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 the immense kind of um, experience that that is. And to be... I mean, it's incredible going out there and listening to some of these stories and seeing the history. I mean, there was an island where I grew up on the back of Dolphin Island. You get out in the boat and drive for 40 minutes or whatever. And all of this land back in the day used to be connected before the oceans rose up. And, you know, so there were tribes out there. And that's how all these wallabies and rock wallabies and kangaroos got out to these, bring my pardon, these islands in the middle of the sea. Yeah. Because they were stuck there. The other one's too lazy to get up and go, oh, oh fuck the water. Fucking tyrants <laughs> again. Fuck. Fucking stuck here. Stuck here. Did he leave that? Yeah, he left the cow. Fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> and they just stayed there. But there's these great um, artworks of, um, you know, of, of stuff that resembles maybe not the first fleet, but someone like Dirt Heart Dog or the Dutch or when the Spanish came around and they look like tall ships. On mm. the back of these rocks, mm. you go. That's been there mm. for and how? Like how? Who knows how long? Like, there's so much to be interacted with and to be seen. And um, yeah, one of one of the best books I've ever written. Written. <laughs> one of the best <laughs> books I've ever written, uh, <laughs> ever read, uh, is a book by um, Anne Salmond. I think her name was. Right. And it's called The Trial of the Cannibal Dog. So it's kind of the the entry, the diary entries of Captain Cook right, and um, Joseph Banks. Oh, so, yeah. So they get commissioned to go and find this sort of southern land that people are talking about, yeah. you know, 250 years ago. And it's him in the South Pacific going to discovering Australia. Um, and going to you know Tonga and Samoa and having all these, dis- despite what happened after Cook and this sort of imperial yeah. mindset, and you know it's our land, let's conquer, let's wipe out the indigenous. Captain Cook, according to this sort of uh, 
description of him was like the right man for the job. So he would come in, you know, dressed in pomp and ceremony, but he was engaging and understanding of local culture. And they're right. He wasn't like pushing his his ways or the English ways onto onto them. Right. He was sort of he seemed like the right guy for the job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, for that period. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it's just interesting. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but just, <laughs> it's just the... I guess, the, you know, it's just a fascinating book and the contrast between the, the welcome that he would get from Indigenous Australia versus... Those other cultures yeah. and stuff. So he went, he went to... Well, it's where he finally died in... Um, in Hawaii, right? Yeah. So he went. He went to. Well, before that, he went to New Zealand. Right. So there's two boats. Because they were trying to. They tried to get on the sound. Right. And then and they New Zealanders came out. Isn't is this the story? They tried to the Captain Cook and those guys tried to get onto land, and were repeatedly thrown away by the by the Maoris. Well, like the Maoris wouldn't let them land, and they were just so well, they, intimidated. They came out in war, warring canoes, right? Yeah. So all these women, men, you know, with the regalia and the well, gun. I forget what the, the the face tattoo is called, but you know, they've come out paddling in these war warring canoes Fuck. to meet these, and this the women would lift up their skirts and sort of be pointing to their vaginas, mm. which the sailors saw that as a, you know. Yeah, you know, fucking hello, <laughs> hello, Taylor. Hello, you know, thinking it was a um, a uh, sexual, welcoming, enticing kind of yeah. proposition. Yeah, but it was actually, and I might butcher this interpretation, but it was something like, "This is where, this is where you've come from. Prepare to meet your end," kind of thing. That was right, kind of, right, like that was a metaphorical like war thing. Yeah, it was. Like, it was far from enticing. And hey, <laughs> hey well, welcome. It was like you know what, meet. But at that point, there's two boats: one with Captain Cook and one with other sailors, and and they they parted company. So they said, "Well, we're going to go this way. You're going to get that way." And right. in three weeks, we'll return to the same sound. So they returned to the same sound. The other boat never turned up so they waited a few days and then Captain Cook went went ashore and spoke to the locals mm. have you seen the other guys in yeah. the other boat and they're like Meh. I don't know what you're on about so they waited a bit longer no bro I don't know what you're on about beach days <laughs> but it turns out they they murdered and cannibalised yeah, right. the whole other ship <clears throat> so they you know they're kind of wiping their lips and yeah know, hiding bones bones away yeah, but I think he found bones. Fuck. And then they're like, "We need to get the fuck out of here." Yeah. And then went to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, I, I've got. I think because you know, I one of my favorite stories to read about when growing up were explorers. You know, like yeah, um, Howard Carter, who um, who discovered um, the, the the tombs and broke the seals on Tutankhamun's tomb and opened it up and all the sarcophagi and and the kind of Egyptian pyramids, or Christopher Columbus, you know, who sailed mm. across the oceans, or Marco Polo, who met with the Mongols and lived with them for years and then brought back all these spices and mm. silkworms. Like, he brought silkworms back across to, to Europe and just incredible kind of... Like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> look at my silkworms. <laughs> but just this, this incredible kind of lust for... The, the knowledge and kind of um, 
um, vastness that you that is humanity. And I, and I think, in the same way as um, indigenous people of any land never stop exploring what it meant to be on that land, because that's land that's all they knew. You know, like I mean, the Vikings were enterprising motherfuckers because they were just like, yeah, this land's pretty cool, but let's go have a look at everywhere, mm. and they did. I mean, that's why you've got like Germania and all those kind of places because mm. they went and lived there and then made themselves a part of it. Like that's mm. why the Norse kind of heritage is so far-reaching. Mm. Because um, they were just expert travellers and stuff, mm. but it's incredible. It's incredible to think those, of human enterprise and how well. Well, no more so than um, you know early explorers here. With uh, what are they? Uh, Burke and Wills and yeah, I've read all their all their diary entries and it's fucking mm. hardcore. Yeah, right. You're going to go from <clears throat> Adelaide, and we don't know what's over the yeah. Go for I'll it. Try some of the peak. Yeah, you know they're in Adelaide and they they've got to head north. Go and find water. Let us know when you get to that. <laughs> yeah. Start mapping out potential route lines for telegraph poles. Yeah. So they then didn't know whether they were going for three days or fucking 30 days or yeah. 300 days. But brutal men on, started off on horses. They realized quick smart that horses weren't the ideal yeah. um, companion. You know, they've evolved to go on to to camel not all camels are suited for Australian terrain yeah. like, it's a real trial and error but like h- hardy fucking conditions like hardcore and Burke and Wills I think I only missed the initial camp thing by like yeah. a day or so yeah like when they were supposed to meet up and get yeah. back in time they only missed them by a, like I a went tiny site. A tiny, did you? yeah I'd love to because there is you don't you don't re- you don't appreciate the I guess the scale and the harshness of Australia until you get out there until no. you go bush until you go desert and you're like fuck me this is and it's hours in a car yeah or a train like and it's I mean we used to drive it was a sixteen to eighteen hour drive from Caratha to Albany to see our family or go to Perth and play um, state soccer or watch the sisters play state netball and stuff growing up as kids right we'd do that trip. Eight times a year for sport or for visiting family in Albany for Christmas or if someone was unwell, we'd go down there. But you, under- you start to understand the grandeur of like what it would have been to go up to these places. And the sailors who came, like Dirt Hartog and some of the guys, the Dutch, came to Exmouth, got off the boat, looked at it and went, no one lives here. Fuck <laughs> that noise. And literally got back on the boat and sailed away. Yeah, right. Um, and then someone came back years later and and said well it's ours we'll take it yeah. you know, if the Dutch don't want it we'll have it Yeah. Um, but and then you think about the guys that were up in the middle of Victoria your Bushrangers and Ned Kelly's and mm. the kind of penal colonies that were coming out of there like forced it would have been so and like hard man 10 like, year olds helping dad out chopping down fucking carry trees yeah. to then be sold no, cut, chop up the wood to make out into fence posts and when you look at these trees mm. and think about how many dudes cut them down and what was the setup and to, and you know, all that wood is now in state Victorian buildings and so that's my family heritage were woodcutters in Victoria yeah, so right. all those beautiful old buildings and stuff there's a list mm. of the ones that they cut the trees down and sourced the wood for or whatever yeah, right. I haven't been to them but I'd love to check mm. it out because you've got all that beautiful carry pine and 
WAA. Yeah, and the Jarrah trees and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Huge, you know, huge things that have been there for hundreds of years, mm. more, more, more. Mm. But, and there were other guys in my family that um, would go across the Great Australian, like the, the Bight, and would hunt seal. And then we'd use the pelt and the oil and the meat to sell back to people and stuff. Mm. And that's how we ended up getting from Victoria to Western Australia. Mm. They do the trip all the time and then we're like, you know what, we'll just stay here in Western mm. Australia. Mm. Then got involved in farming and you're like, you got to look at Grandad's farm and where it is and it's this huge forest. But you look at all the clearings that have been made for animals to grow. And you're like, who did all that? Mm. It wasn't always here. How, how did you do that? And there's photos of them with those huge big dead balls like the size of a house that just get dragged behind a tractor right. or they'd roll them down the hill until it stopped and then they just go behind and clear it and right. drag it back up the hill and throw it down again. Mm. Or even like, you know, I go up to the Blue Mountains quite a bit. You know, like, some fucking like, I know there's a highway now, but mm. that wasn't always the case. The you would have been on, or yeah, or like on horseback and like, your job mm. is to go and create a path between Western Sydney and they thought China was on the other side like, <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like well, yeah just mind blowing shit yeah like hard like we have pretty fucking easy I'm worrying about doing cooking demonstrations and you're worrying about singing I know put makeup on <laughs> and singing and stuff like that it's true yeah but I think when you you know when you put we've also got to we've, you know when we put those problems in context it's like okay they were the problems in those days and age, like in that day and age yeah this is the problem in our day and age doesn't lessen the problem yeah it's a real problem something we have to solve it's what we're doing with our day and there's nothing wrong with that yeah we can't sit and compare like they'd hate it when your grandparents would always be like oh well this and da, da, da. you're like yeah well, it's not the case now yeah things have changed and you guys worked hard so that it was easier on us we still have to work hard in a certain way so it's easier for somebody else but Mate, I've got to have a pee. All right, mum. Don't fall in. <laughs> How was it? It's <laughs> amazing. My favourite thing, there's... There's a... Um, you ever see the Mighty Boosh? I have. Come with us now on a journey through time and space to the land of the Mighty Boosh. The Mighty Boosh. So there's a great episode where a guy, he's called the Hitchhiker, and he's got a massive thumb, and he's also really good at playing the bass guitar. Um, and he's all green and he's got like a cotton pad around his eyes all warped out but they pull over and this guy's trying to get rid of him so he just plies him with water so the guy's driving him to pick him up hates him and just tries to get rid of him so just plies him with water and water and water till he has to really pee so they stop on the side of the road to let him pee and then he starts peeing and it's like like horse pee like it's like like right you ever see rhino's pee mm. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> I think. Have you ever? <laughs> like it, it, com- it comes out like a fire engine. Like it comes out like a poof, just like explodes yeah. out of the back of him. So this guy starts doing that, and he's lifting off the ground, and he's like, "Oh, it's coming out of me like yellow cable." <laughs> so my favourite thing, yeah, is probably just in a public bathroom or somewhere where it's you know, like in a in a in a fun bar or like watching where it's footy. Be a bit awkward or where something. it's, it's going to be a bit awkward, but also a bit respected. A few people might have heard the reference and like yeah, think right. it's pretty funny. It's pretty obscure that show. It's, it's pretty. Good, it's pretty random. It works at the footy a lot. If you go into the footy, you're running the footy for half time or for quarter time. 
right. filled with blokes and you just sit there all quiet. Everyone's like, chat them away and you're like, oh, it's coming at me like yellow cable. <laughs> Everyone has a bit of a giggle. So. <laughs> That's how I get my kicks, Scott. I walk in of urinals and yeah. drop jokes. You are the, uh, there used to be a guy in Sydney called the Trough Boy. Do you remember him? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Maybe before your time. <laughs> but he used to lie in, it was quite a perverted thing. Um, he'd oh, be, he would lie in the trough. He would lie in a trough in a Mac. In a what? In a Mac, a Macintosh, like an old fashioned rain jacket and get kicks from being peed on. In like just like random bathrooms or like actual uh, like, like pubs and clubs and stuff? Oh yeah, pubs and clubs. Mainly on the gay scene. Mm. Yeah, trough boy. I remember doing research for a gay role. Not not for Peter, but for an, um, one that was a bit more hectic. Um, um, and it was like a... It, it was about fetish, fetish parties and stuff like that. Basically, when I was studying at, at acting school, this one teacher thought it would be great to get the kid from... Karatha to do something that would completely scare the shit out of him. Literally didn't know that I was just going to be like, this is, <laughs> this is crazy, but it's awesome. Like, you guys are nuts. Because um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm never I'm never the guy who, like, if you tell me something, I'm never going to be like, that's warped, that's messed up. It's like, yeah. that's you, that's you, what you do, and yeah. cool, what, you know, that's your thing. Whatever whatever get, makes you happy and floats yeah. about. But we went to this um, party. And this hallway was really squishy. Like, it made no sense. It's like, what's going on? It feels really, like, you're all wearing shoes and stuff, but it's pitch black, and we're just between rooms. And there was a guy wearing, you know, people wearing SS jackets, and because Hugo Boss made the SS, so there was a fetish out of the kind of precision of the jacket and the fashion and stuff. And then a light would flicker in the corner, and you're walking over people. Oh. And people would get off on being walked over. I fucking recognised your face. <laughs> recognised your feet? You were that third step. You were that guy with the soft converse shoes. Oh, look at him. Oh, size 13, come at me. <laughs> um, yeah, that was interesting. My two questions. Yeah. Before we wrap this up. Don't think too long and hard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Favourite movie? Um, would have to be Unforgiven. Oh, the Clint Eastwood yeah. film. Um, just the, the story that is behind the making of it. You know, Francis Ford Coppola had the rights for 10 years and then someone said to Clint, you should read this. And he read it and was never going to be able to get it because it was someone else has the rights. So unless you buy them out, you can't get it. Um, then 10 years went by and Clint's assistant said, hey, check out that thing. So he bought the rights and then he... Bless, yeah. He wanted to make it, but he was too young. So he left it in his drawer for a few years. And then suddenly at the end of all that kind of... Because that was one of his last kind of cowboy films. Yeah. And then the last, at the end of it all, he remembered it. and went, oh. And he was the right age to play William Money, who's the lead guy. But the film's been taken into... um, Like, it's been included into the National Registry of, of, um, of Violence in America to be an example of what violence can do to communities. Yeah, right. Like, it's that kind of profound and what violence does to people. And Yeah. It's a very classic uh, Western movie in yeah. many regards. 
Yeah. But then also, so... It's fucking great. It's a great movie, man, and great Richard, performances. Richard Harris, Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Richard Eastman Harris like. is a weapon, and Morgan Freeman is phenomenal, and... Yeah, not, the, not a bad cast. Not a bad cast at all. And, you know, John Wayne was once on set, and they asked his character... They asked him, you know, could when you get him around here in this big, shoot him in the back. Uh, and John Wayne goes, no. I don't shoot people in the back. And they're like, okay, well, Clint Eastwood does. You know, yeah, right. and the last scene in the, in the movie is like, he's confronting the, the sheriff who killed his friend. He's like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to die this way. And he's like, deserves got nothing to do with it. And he shoots him with a shotgun, with a black, huge 303. Like, it's the first time that kind of level of violence was seen on a, on a, on a TV screen. But, you know, because he shoots in point blank range with a shotgun and just yeah. sits there and looks at the remnants. You don't see the remnants, but you no. see this man like yeah. devoured by yeah. anger. That's a great last scene. It it's fucking it's in everyone. the rain, and he comes in yeah. and you know throws a bottle, and all of it was naturally lit. There was all made with candles, and they built this set in the middle of Canada. Right. You know, like it. It was such a. That was his sto- first. It was that was his debut as a director, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know. But all, all of his films are, are are great films. You know. Uh, he that Gran Torino was pretty fucking amazing yeah going up for goddamn long so good but it's and you know Million Dollar Baby and who would be your favourite actor then uh, Fassbender Michael Fassbender I'd love to he kind of follows in the in the thing of Clint Eastwood that demeanour of masculinity but he then has this amazing ability to be unbelievably sensitive and kind of a bit alien a bit like David Bowie is one of my favourite musos because he was able to reinvent himself and the, and yeah. what he did so many yeah. times and never yeah, questioned. He's certainly not sort of typecast, is he? No, and when people did, he changed, you know. Right. So Fassbender does these great films where he fully loses himself in in the role and but then allows himself to be incredibly vulnerable to to um to the audience and and to the material. Mm. Like Twelve Years a Slave. To play that character that he played, the slave owner, and the, you know the guy who won the co- and just the way he treated people mm. was was harrowing. But out of it came some of the greatest performances of our time, that then made the film that won an Academy Award. Mm. You know, and and the leading the the um, supporting actress or leading actress won an Academy Award because of it. So because of his generosity to go so dark and be such a shit person someone else benefits yeah, right. and we see something that we don't want to see on a, t- on, a, on a screen but we understand that that has no place in society which is kind of, which is similar to Unforgiven you know like there's a, a depth that you that you have when you're able to play these bad people or these characters that ultimately when you when you look at it from a social perspective and what you can tell with that character you're benefiting society Mm. You're not creating something for the sake of being a badass and mm. being a dick. Or something that society will replicate. Or... That's right. You're, you're doing it. It's like American History X, the Edward Norton movie when he's the neo-Nazi. It's oh, with the with the curb kick mm. and like it's dis- like it's disgusting behaviour. And you should never. That should. You know, I remember first time watched it. I was like, why is that a film? Mm. But at the end of the day, you realise that's a it's a lesson for society because at the end the brother gets you know, stabbed or killed in the bathroom because of the views that he holds. Speaking of bathrooms, have you ever seen Snowtown? My friend wrote Snowtown. Oh, fuck off. 
Yeah. I nearly he got to that bathroom scene and I nearly turned it off. Had it not been a true story, I think I probably would. Yeah. I, was, I, feel, I felt like I needed to honour those people that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And watched it. But fucking hardcore. And I think Sean Grant, who wrote it, who's a really close friend of mine, I think he felt who, the same Who's way. the guy? Who's the guy that, the, with the beard? and Who plays the bad guy? Yeah. He's a, And he's the loveliest person you'll ever meet. Dan, um, Daniel Henshaw. Dan, Daniel Henshaw. Like, where is he? He's just finished, he did a movie... He's, he's on Okja. He's a what? He's in Okja, the Netflix movie about uh-huh. with Tilda Swinton and stuff. Right. And um, he plays a great role in that. He's an amazing actor. Yeah, but you don't... Well, I don't see... Oh, man. Him in many things, like... And he did um, a, a role in Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson and stuff. Played uh-huh. a crazy character in that. A really uh-huh. good role. But... He's got that ability to, again, transform and, and do other things, and he's so much bigger than what he is as a person. Like, that that role in that movie is not him as a person at all. But He fucking nailed it, though. Like but, yeah, and, and, and they have... Those kind of films have... Because that character, the young boy, and the young men in that story, all they wanted was a father. You know, if you think of... The reason why those people followed him is because people wanted to have someone believe in them. And he... This guy picked on and preyed on the weak and vulnerable to for his means you know but if you look at the the meaning of the story it's that everyone is only searching for a place of belonging and some people find it in very wrong places yeah but it's our job as a society to make everyone feel like they belong and give people opportunities to belong and be understood otherwise it leads to that behavior well yeah rightly or wrongly you need like a a purpose and need attachment and so it's you know if it's not there for good, it'll be it's going to go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Who else? I'm a big fan of uh, Australia. Um, his name escapes me. Ben? Is it Ben? Oh, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, could watch him Ooh. every day. Have you seen Killing Them Softly? No. Check it out. Brad Pitt, Ray Liotta, Ben Mendelsohn, um, Scoot McNara. Good yeah, great name, man. Scoot McNaira. Sam Shepard. Yep. Um, but Ben plays this Australian, like, heroin addict who's part of a drug deal. And the opening sequences of him with, like, a waste mango bar with the two different, like, mm. the ice cream with the two different flavors, like yeah. vanilla and mango on one side. Very tasty. To understand, love the waste bar. Um, and he's walking, like, 20 dogs. And he's just off his face walking through the most derelict part of this city and then gets in a room and chats with these people about how the drug deal's going to go down. And the whole time he's going in and out of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a drug haze. Directed by um, Andrew Dominic, who did Chopper. Right. Um, but the reasons why he's walking these dogs is because they steal these purebred dogs and then sell them on the black market and stuff. Like, and he's just whacked out the whole time. Just... But inc- so believable. But so believable and so <coughs> and so there. Like he's never once judging or being afraid of being judged. Yeah. Or whatever. And yeah. the fact that then he can do that and then go be in Star Wars. Yeah. Or go play something like Una, where he plays uh, a man who um, took advantage of a young girl, and now it's her in a later in later oh, yeah. the year confronting him. Yeah, I went on a date. Why did you go sit down on the date? Well, we both realised <laughs> we both realised that we love Ben Mendelsohn. Right. And I'm literally flicking through the Sunday papers. Going, and went, oh. oh, look. 
Let's go and see it. We had no idea. Mate, hardcore. Hardcore film. Has a a sexual relationship with like a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. His his neighbour's daughter. Yeah, and then... Kind of like looking at each other going... Going, oh, no. I'm not really into this sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And we all walked out. It It was a pretty empty cinema, but we all walked out and everyone looked... It was, I'd never had this reaction since. Right. Uh, sorry, before yeah. coming out of the theatre. But everyone just looked at each other and went, what the fuck what was, that? was that? Like, great performance. Yeah. But just wasn't nice. expecting that. Yeah. Because even the short... Doesn't... It doesn't... No, nah, nah. it doesn't tell you much. And Benedict Andrews, who directed that, used to do a lot of theatre here. He used to do a lot of... He'd write theatre and then direct it himself and put it on at Belvoir and stuff and... I think he was artistic director for a while, or, you know. But he's a great... Like, you could see the way that that was made like a theatre piece, where it was like one long scene that went for ages, two people stuck in a room confronting something and confronting each other, cut to, you know, a scene... Un- like, some an image under a bridge mm. of a paper bag being tossed mm. around by the wind. Mm. And that's very much theatre. Like, it's tableaus of a moment and then cut to a, a music break while the scene gets changed around by mm. tech hands and then everyone's back in the moment yeah right um, so it, I found that really interesting to watch is in that movie but to pay respect to Ben like he's spoken in, a, in an Aussie accent right the whole way through the film mm. and all this great work that he's done killing them softly Una I mean now he's doing American accent for Bloodline and he won an Emmy for his performance mm. and stuff great. which is huge but Una's set in the UK, right? Set in the UK. Yeah. But there's this mat like to me, the fact that he doesn't have to change his accent for people to believe in or give themselves yeah. to him is a massive respect as an yeah. as a as an actor. Just says like you don't have to do anything more because you've got so much power for us to already lose ourselves in any form of reality mm. and and jump in with you that you know, that's that. I, I think that's f- there's no greater power. Mm. I haven't done anything where I've well I've done two things where I've had to where I could be my, my own voice mm. you know well, who's the other guy that's in uh... Daniel Craig is an incredible actor too Daniel Craig I want to pick that he's awesome my favourite from 007 yeah yeah I'm the... aware of <laughs> just in case you know <laughs> yeah. no, my favourite is uh, I fucking forget his name I'm a bit brain dead this morning um <laughs> So my my favourite movie is There Will Be Blood. Oh, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. <sighs> Amazing. There's one one blooper on There Will Be Blood that's online, and and it's during the milkshake scene where he's sitting in the bar with his son and. See that to me like that scene, for me if I was to show someone acting like what does acting yeah you know give me a snapshot of what definitively is acting yeah. Like, that's it there like it was just so, like you were so engrossed you're almost intimidated and fearful you yourself. are you, you are know. and that moment where at the start he gets hit you know and he can't he says to crawl all the way out of the of the uh, well you know with his broken leg what was the blooper oh the blooper is one of the extras in the back of the shot starts saying something to him oh is that right? that and the kid starts laughing in the scene and Daniel oh. Day Lewis is known for like never breaking character right um, oh, is that when he loses his mind and he just starts laughing because the kid starts laughing and then he starts laughing and it's kind oh. of this really cute moment between the guys and like the father and son on set you can still see Daniel kind of in character but it's this really 
beautiful kind of organic thing you wouldn't normally get to see. But there's... Oh, no, sorry. It's uh, Christian Bale that lost his mind on set, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think that's got to do with steroids. Oh, really? Yeah, for Batman. To, for Batman getting Because he'd just come off The Machinist. Mm. If you've seen that, he was Incredible. anorexic. Like, so then he did that... And then went and did the biggest. Like the, he was the biggest Huge. Batman that he ever was. Yeah. Next film. So imagine the so, hormones yeah. and the, like the machinist. Oh. Fuck, it's hard to watch, man. He's so rake thin. But that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, here in Australia, you are, you you're kind of limited by the projects that that are in this country. You know what I mean? By what, as actor, you're not necessarily. There's not a lot of roles like that where it's going to be, you know, do all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Because. There isn't a massive network television audience for it, and the films that m- would be going for that thing aren't necessarily getting funding because they're a little bit too intense. Yeah. And Screen Australia is a government body, so it has to be made through government lens rather yeah. than a private body, where they're yeah. like, go and do this crazy fucking story. Yeah. Um, which is why, um, you know, we all go to America because we can kind of get to do these messed up things yeah. and, and be. Um, these characters and these roles and, and stuff like that but there's a scene just on the end of all this kind of character not method well yeah method acting but also just commitment to to your job and to a character you know that's exciting in Django Unchained where Leonardo DiCaprio does that scene where he starts saying she's my property uh-huh. and he's at the dinner table and someone starts asking him you know how does it feel to own something or something and he smashes the and he glass. smashes his hand on the table and he, did, he forgot that there was a glass there yeah so he cuts his hand for real and carries on and carries on yeah him smearing the blood on that woman's face yeah it's all is all real ad lib yeah and you can see the discomfort in the other actors around and the fact that yeah it's, some, it's your blood on someone else's face maybe not cool yeah but there's something to be said that yeah he didn't f- like he didn't flinch it, it, yeah he just kind of picked, even he picked when the you piece, know it he like, the piece out and yeah he didn't falter no and it just ended up being a more dramatic sense yeah. like there's something to be said about that kind of where you know something might happen here on set in Australia and that would that, it would it, stop 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 yeah whereas over there there's there's a bit more of a an unspoken respect for the actor to go in well, yeah, it's probably because it was him and his oh yeah his level of standing that you know the first day didn't jump in and say excuse me Leonardo yeah. do you know what I mean like mate I might have to uh, as much as I'd love to talk about films and actors all day I've got to run an errand let's go do it Sam Are you coming with me no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to run my own errands I've got to go to a um a drag queen store and hire a dress oh Don't I might come me. with you yeah Sounds fun. It's an audition, by the way. Okay, um, just have to preface that. Yeah, not just for me. (laughs) I'm going to take down to Coogee and sit in the park. (laughs) But um, no, there's not much for a six-three man at the op shops to 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 find. So, all right, the other draggies. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been a pleasure. Good chat. Good Good chat, chat, mate.